It's great to see you this morning, and as Joe said, if, you're, uh, if, you, if this is your first time, if you're a guest here today, particularly welcome. My name's Nigel, and um, along with Joe and a great team, it's our privilege to lead this church, and we are excited about what God is doing and what God wants to do. I really hope that you're excited. You don't look very excited, but I think that's, I think that's just a British, a British thing. <laughs> Um, we have been uh, running through a series called More, and we are doing more, more <laughs> today. Um, the, the kind of premise of this series, More, has been just to explore and talk about what it is or how it is that we can experience more of what God has for us, more of his presence in our lives, more of his love, more of his power. It's not, as we've said a few times before, it's not that everything of God isn't available to us. It's not that there's more of God. It's probably more realistically that there's more that we can do to step into it. Um, it's not that anything of God is held back, but it is true that we don't always step into everything God's got for us. And so we've had this as a sort of bit of a tagline, really, which is don't just cry out for more, step into more. And last week, um, I showed you this uh, slide and uh, just mentioned this quote from a man called Gordon Fee, who said that the Holy Spirit, he just described beautifully and succinctly who the Holy Spirit is. It is God's empowering presence. And that's a beautiful description of the Holy Spirit. He's God, there to be worshipped, as we have done this morning. He's the power of God. He's how God empowers us. And he's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to sense the closeness of God. And as I spoke about last week, um, you can listen to it online. He loves to be present with his people. And I kind of went through a whole lot of um, Bible passages showing just how God's Holy Spirit, God was present in the Old Testament, in a garden and on a mountain and in a tent, tabernacle and in a temple. And how in the New Testament, God was present in a human body, that of Jesus and how he is still present in Jesus's body, which is us, the church. And how to cultivate more of God's presence. One thing, a couple of things we can do is to act on Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians 14, which is to follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. This is one way in which we can step in to more of God's presence. How we can cultivate more of that sense of his closeness in our lives. And so last week, we particularly looked at the gift of tongues, which is to, to build us up in our faith and help us to sense God's closeness with us. And I've heard a number of stories, actually, since last Sunday of people who really encountered God's presence, in some cases, in, an, in a way that they never had done before. Just, just wave your hand if you were here last Sunday. Okay, and keep your hand up if... You were somebody who experienced something of God's presence. Maybe it was the gift of tongues or some other significant encounter last week. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. Put your hands down. I won't make you stand up and tell your stories. But I heard of this one lady. She was here in the evening. And she had been a Christian for a long time, actually, but had never experienced the gift of tongues for herself. She said, I've been waiting for God to give it to me. And, and we said last week, what you need to do is you need to step out and actually just start to move your, your, move your mouth and allow God to come and do something and meet you in that place. And she absolutely experienced that. In fact, she told me that she, she, it was so overwhelming for her that she asked somebody to pray for her at the end. And she was just standing there. And actually, to look at her externally, you'd think nothing was going on. She was just standing there. And afterwards, what she reported was she said, I had to open my eyes because... I thought somebody was literally standing right in front of me. That sense of having somebody so close in, in front of me and then behind me was so powerful. And I think she said she was coming back tonight. <laughs> and there were a number of people who've reported to me. Pardon? And she's bringing a friend. Thank you. A, a number of people who reported similar kinds of stories to me this week about how God has really met with them and encountered them in a new way. And that's wonderful. And I think it's just the start, to be honest. It's just the start of what God wants to do, because it feels to us like, for, for Joe and I, you know, if you've been tracking with us on this, you'll know that this, this thing of more is a word that God has been speaking to us, particularly through Joe, for most of this year. 
And so we, we don't really know what we're doing. But we just know that this is what God's telling us. And so we've got to push into this. And as we push into this, we're, in, we're expectant that God wants to do stuff. And that we'll see fruit from that. And so today we want to talk about another gift. You know, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. This morning we want to talk about the gift of healing. The gift of physical healing. And emotional healing. And spiritual healing. You see, when God's presence comes, he comes to heal. And he comes to restore. It's not just so that we can feel close to him. Amazing and awesome as that is. It actually goes further. It's that not just we can feel close to him, but we can get a sense of restoration, a sense of freedom in ourselves, and that others can also sense that. And so part of this talk that I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to show you quite a long video. It's about 12, 13 minutes worth of video um, from a guy called John Wimber. And John Wimber is the pastor who started the Vineyard Church. And it's very, this healing thing is very much part of our heritage as vineyard churches. We're not the only people who can do this. We're not the only, we're not the, we haven't got the, what the, what's the word, the monopoly. We haven't got the monopoly on healing. No way. But it is very much part of our story as a church movement. And I want you to hear part of that story from John's own mouth. So I'm going to show you a video. Um, I'm going to show you clips from a video that actually, if you wanted to, you could look at online yourselves later. Um, I have to just warn you now, it's from about the mid, early to mid-80s. There's a lot of hair action going on, but don't let that put you off. Anyway, I'm, I'm coming to that in a few minutes. Um, even more of our vineyard, even more importantly than healing being in our vineyard heritage, it's in our Bible heritage. And so if you have a Bible with you, I'd love you to turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1. Okay, now I am going to put some of the passages up here, but I'd love you to have it open with you if you can. Um, I'm not going to go into loads of detail. I'm going to pick on two or three particular passages and comment on them. But I want us to kind of just skip through the whole chapter because it gives a sense of the narrative. You see, Mark's gospel was the first gospel that was written. It was the first account that we have of the life and the story of Jesus. And it was written very specifically, Mark's gospel, to be dramatically told in public. It was written to be read out. I don't think the guy who wrote it, Mark, his name was, I don't think he ever envisaged that 2,000 years later we'd be reading printed copies of it because I think he might have spent a bit more time on it if he did. But um, it was written as a response to all that God had done in the life of Jesus and the early church and the disciples. And so Mark, who had spent significant time traveling with um, Peter, who was one of the disciples, and basically heard all Peter's stories and just wrote them down. Wrote them down as an account of the life of Jesus that if you started and read it through from start to finish, would take you about an hour and a half just to read aloud. It's not that long. And it's really dramatic. You know, um, the the scholars who know this sort of stuff, which is not me, would would tell you that um, the Greek in it is very rough. You know, it's colloquial. There are parts in it where you can read it for yourself. He goes, let the reader understand. He's sort of basically saying, he's saying, you know, read this bit out and then explain it. Okay. Pardon? Yeah. A bit like, know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, Mark's gospel was written through that. I said that bit. So if you turn to Mark chapter one and the first, um, we're going to skip through the first 13 verses. But just to say, because this is part of this story, in Mark chapter 1, the first eight verses are about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist comes and prepares the way for Jesus and announces that Jesus is coming. And then the next part in chapter, in verse 9 to 13, is about Jesus' own baptism and his uh, time of testing in the wilderness. All of that's really important, but it's not significant for what we want to talk about today. So I'm going to skip over that to verse 14 where it says this, and I'm going to read you the first uh, 14 and 15. After, oh, I've got this one here. Here we go. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. And this is the sort of opening statement. This is Jesus' opening gambit, as it were. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is Jesus' announcement that the kingdom of God is near. That you have an opportunity to respond, to repent of your sins, and to believe what God is doing. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, do you know what, guys? Things are changing. Now, in the context that this was written, in the context that Jesus was speaking, God's people hadn't really heard of God or heard anything about him or witnessed any kind of God activity for like three, four hundred years. That's quite a lot of generations passing the story of God down, saying there is a Messiah coming. We know that that's true, but we just don't know when and how it's going to happen. Can you imagine that, being the sort of sixth and seventh and eighth generation and telling your kids, yeah, we still believe this stuff. We know God is with us. We just don't know when it's going to, when the next thing's going to happen. And into that comes Jesus, and he announces the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. And then the next part in verse 16, he calls his first disciples. And again, we're going to skip over that because I want to get into this next section, which is from verse 21. And I've got the text up here from the NIV version, if you'd like to follow it. It's this, Jesus caught, this is Jesus healing a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 21, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law do. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Interesting, that's it. The man cried out, what do you want with us? There's something going on there, isn't there? Anyway, be quiet, says Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is kind of Jesus' first described power encounter. And it serves, I think, to show the readers just who Jesus is, what his spiritual credentials are. You see, Mark is getting in right at the start of the story. Look, guys, this was not just an ordinary teacher. This was not just another so-called prophet. This man carried the authority of God. Verse 22, it says he taught with authority. They recognized something in his teaching that went beyond what they would normally hear from their religious leaders. But wasn't to straight away, Jesus is someone worth listening to, someone worth paying attention to. He's someone who clearly knows what he's talking about and lives out his message. And you all know what I mean. When you hear someone Perhaps you're watching on the telly. You hear someone interviewed about what their beliefs and ideals are, and it's pretty clear to work out whether someone's talking from the point of view of, well, they really live this thing out, or whether they're perhaps, in some, time, in some cases, giving you a bit of a politician's answer. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway, something about Jesus' teaching said, this guy's worth listening to. And then in verse 24, the evil spirits recognized him. Immediately, they look at him and they go, who are you? What do you want? We know who you are. What do you want with us? So this guy's demons already started to get, already started to fear. And he exercised authority over them. And his prayers were simple, straightforward prayers. He didn't shout at them. He didn't scream at them. He just ordered them out. This was a man with authority, bringing freedom to this man in the synagogue, such that people recognized, verse 27, what was going on. They said, what's this? There's a new teaching here. And it has the authority of God backing it up. A new teaching with authority. You see, Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom of God. He demonstrated it practically. Jesus meant business. He was enacting God's desire to be with his people, to be close to his people, to make a difference in his people's lives. That, is, that was then the heart of God for his people. And it still is the heart of God for his people now. Jesus is still in the business of freedom and transformation and deliverance and healing. And he still acts on God's authority. And so do we when we do the things he taught us to. Jump down to the next section, verse 29. Here's another story. As soon as they come out of that one, it says, as soon as they left the synagogue... They went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. 
And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her and took her hand and helped her. And the fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And this section is where we read about Jesus' healing ministry beginning in earnest. Now, just a little side point here, and John Wimber picks this up as well in his talk later. If my mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, I'm not sure she'd want anyone to come and see her. I don't know how she lets, lets this strange guy come into her room. But anyway, Jesus does it, and he immediately heals her. What an incredible story. And word gets around quickly, spreads. The whole town pretty soon is gathered at the door. And Jesus heals many people, many people who had various diseases. You see, people flocked to Jesus. They flocked to him. There was something so attractive about this guy, not just because he could meet their physical needs, which he could. There's something about who he was and what he was bringing, bringing freedom, bringing transformation. And all over our communities are people who are in need of a similar encounter with Jesus and with God's Holy Spirit. I'm sure that you know people who are desperate and really need a sense of freedom and really need some kind of transformation. They may not even know that it's Jesus that they're looking for, but you know that there are people who need God. Whether it's physical healing or emotional healing or broken relationships or deliverance from addiction or pain or abuse, there are people all around us who need to know and experience God's love for themselves, practically in here, in the way that we talked about last week, that closeness. Not just, some, not just words from a stage, or not just dry words in a book, but actually that sense of God's presence. And it's available. It's available to them through us, Jesus' body, the church. We are the people who carry God's presence. That's who we're called to be. His presence and his power are the same thing, and they're available. And maybe you've come here this morning, and you really need to experience something of God's love for yourself. Maybe you're in a desperate situation. Maybe you've got a breakthrough that is just not happening. You've got a problem, and you need some sort of resolution or solution. Maybe you are feeling bound up. Maybe God wants to meet with you here and now this morning. Maybe you've just already experienced something of his presence in our worship time for yourself and as we've prayed. I just want to encourage you. He's available. His presence and power are here and they're available. And I can say this boldly because it's not an encounter you need with me or with one of our leaders or the church. It's the Holy Spirit. And we are the body of Jesus. And every time we gather, we should expect people to come here and we should expect them to connect with and meet with the living God. And often that means physical healing. And uh, there's a couple more passages. You can jump right down to um, verse 40. The next bit just talks about how Jesus prayed in a solitary place, needed to have a bit of time out. And then it says he went on and carried on preaching, going, traveled through Galilee, going to different villages, preaching in synagogues and healing people. And then verse 40, he heals a man with leprosy who comes to him and says, if you're willing you can make me clean. And Jesus says, it says Jesus was indignant. Another version of that says he was filled with self-pity. This is, they can't, they can't really translate it properly, but this is talking about compassion. This is talking about Jesus being moved in his gut and saying, this is wrong. The fact that you are here with leprosy is wrong. And he was moved for compassion and the power of God, uh, in the power of God stretched out, touched the man And he was healed. It says immediately the leprosy left him. So if you were to take this whole section in summary, you could say that Jesus had authority over sickness. And he he demonstrated authority over evil spirits. And he also demonstrated 
gut-level compassion for people who were in need. He was moved. And his love and his presence and his power were available. And that's the message of the gospel. You don't have to do anything or earn anything. You don't have to tick a box or perform some sort of action to be, will, to, to be touched and healed by God. It doesn't cost us anything because it costs him everything. And when we ask God for the gift of healing, we are tapping into his authority and his compassion. It's really important to understand that. And you know, we, in two weeks' time, as Joe said, we want to invite anybody who wants to, to come and receive healing from Jesus. Anybody at all. We just want to make a space. And I mean, you can do it any service anyway, but we want to do a service especially to make that possible and easy. So if you know someone and they're poorly and you've got the guts, and even if you haven't got the guts, just ask God to give you the courage and just go ask them. Why don't you come to church with me this week? They're going to pray for the sick. You know? I want to show you this video by John Wimber. Um, John Wimber's testimony video, you can find it online for yourself if you want to look up the whole thing. It's actually called, I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? There it is. Oh, well, sorry. There he is. Um, I'm a fool for Christ, who's fool are you? And in the story, this is John, and he does an hour and 20 minutes of just sharing his personal story. He was a musician. He was not a churchgoer, no religious or Christian background in his life at all. His marriage was almost on the rocks. Uh, and through a series of incredible encounters and events, um, God breaks into his life. He becomes a Christian, becomes a believer, becomes a pastor, actually, and then a church growth consultant. And then eventually God leads him back to Southern California, where he's from, uh, Orange County, Anaheim, uh, just down the road from Disneyland. And he starts a church, which later became uh, Anaheim Vineyard Church. Um, and this church has a significant healing ministry. And so seven years into that, sometime in the mid-80s, he's telling this story. And I've just taken a few clips from this. But it is quite long because it kind of explains everything I want to say this morning in a way that's kind of entertaining and fun and um, probably better than I could say it. So why don't you have a watch of this and then I'll just make a few comments afterwards and then we're going to pray for some people. Can you run that, guys? I I haven't been pastoring very long until God began speaking to me about healing. I was teaching through the Gospel of Luke. And after the third chapter of Luke, if you don't believe in healing, you might as well quit at least for the next few chapters. And I had to begin teaching healing. And it was the first time in my life I had ever taken it seriously. I really equated healing with uh, charlatanry and and, and foolishness. I I didn't think anybody, any human being, much less a Christian, should be involved in that kind of activity. I thought it was illegal activity. And I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. But here I was teaching through, and I I had a nice little outline of of the fourth chapter of Luke, uh, in which uh, I ignored several key texts. And as I was reading through it, God said, that outline won't do. I said, what's wrong with it? He said, well, you've, you've left these out. And I said, I'm not going to put those in, Lord. But over the next few weeks, I began teaching seriously for the first time the subject of healing. Now, the problem with teaching something is that the people don't know you don't believe it. And they begin believing it before you do. <laughs> and after a few weeks... They didn't want to talk about it anymore. They wanted to start getting healed. And they would begin asking me, when are we going to pray for somebody? I said, oh, no, no, no. It's enough just to believe it. (laughs) They said, no, we want you to pray for us. Well, about the fourth or fifth week, God speaks to me. He says, have an altar call. We're going to pray for the sick tonight. Or heal the sick is what he said. An altar call to heal the sick. I did not want to do that. But God told me to. And so I called the people forward that day, and we prayed for them, and nobody got well. In fact, some of us got sick praying for the sick. We caught their flus, we got their colds, we went home with their headaches. It was awful. Our prayers would come out of our mouths and dribble down over our chins and just hang there. It was the most humiliating experience of my life. And I went home... saying to the Lord, I'm never going to do that again. Well, the very next Sunday, he made me do it both Sunday morning and Sunday night. And every week thereafter. After about eight or nine weeks of praying for the sick and nobody getting well, I was fit to be tied. I was yelling. I was angry. I I did all the things I do when I'm frustrated and hurting. And I was yelling at God. 
was for the first time in my life. And I'm saying, this isn't right. This is dumb. This is dumb what you're doing here. People are leaving the church. Don't you want people to come to this church? You told me it was your church. Now, what's the deal here? People, and over half the congregation left. All the time, God's, he's at every meeting. I mean, this, his presence, a lovely presence is with us. But we didn't know that the presence and the power were the same thing. We had not been taught that. God hadn't spoken to us. And so the presence would come, and we'd all cry and worship the Lord. It was more like this in those days. And, you know. <laughs> and as we would come into his presence and worship him and gather and collect and just give ourselves over to worship, he would just come and, and rest on us. We could feel his presence. I mean, the air would thicken up. We could feel his presence in the room. God was with us. We knew it. But we didn't know that the presence and the power were the same thing. And so we would pray, and we'd pray these pitiful prayers. Oh, God, if you're up there anywhere, if you've ever done anything anytime, here's a worthy subject. You know, you ever prayed a prayer like that? You have too. You've prayed prayers just like that. You're just like me. That's what you're like. And I didn't know how to pray either. One time I was praying one of those kind of prayers. You know, God says, what are you doing? I said, I'm fixing to get this guy well. He says, no, you're not. I said, I thought so. <laughs> I said, what's the problem? He says, well, the way you're praying. I said, what do you mean? I mean, I had done everything, man. I had, I had claimed it. I had named it. I, had, I, you know, I would have done anything in those early I, I explored every theology I had ever heard of. You know? I mean, after you failed 500 times, wouldn't you? And we had failed at least that many times. And I, I was going to—I was going to do anything, you know. I read every book I could get my hands on on anybody that had ever had any success on healing anyone. And so I, we were ready to try anything. And he said, "He said, well, the way you're praying." And I said, "Well, what's wrong?" And he says, "Why don't you pray like we did?" I said, "Like you did?" He said, "We, us guys." I said, "Well, how did they pray?" You know, I had never studied that in my whole Christian experience. And I went home that night and uh, got out of the Gospels and just went through and read all the prayers of Jesus. They're really short. <laughs> C. <laughs> Rise, pick up your bed, and walk. That's a hot one, isn't it? Here's my favorite. Come forth. Don't you think he did that? Huh? I mean, that separates the men from the voice. Come forth! That's a hot prayer. Now, you're going to look pretty stupid if he doesn't come forth. But, I mean, if he does, you know, you're going to look good. You're going to put your picture in a paper and everything. <laughs> and after all, that's what it's all about. Isn't that looking good? Well, in any case, <laughs> then I went home. I mean, after that, I tried to, to adapt all those prayers. Now, it's, it's strange trying to pray the prayers of the New Testament. Well, that's a whole other subject. We'll get into it later. Suffice it to say that in the early development of the healing ministry here, it was very difficult. We went for nearly a year before we saw the first person healed. The occasion of the first person being healed occurred the, immediately the night after one of our greatest defeats. Having prayed for somebody for nearly two hours that did not get well, I was in utter despair. I threw myself headlong on the floor. I'm, I've never been subject to those emotional displays. I threw myself on the floor and just sobbed, and I hit the floor, and I said, oh, God, it's not fair. You tell us to teach what your book says, and you don't back up your act. Here we are. We're doing the best we can do. It's not fair, God. It's not fair. You tell us to believe it. You, you write it down. You keep it for all of these centuries. I read it. I tell the people that this is what you said. I even say that this is what you said you'd do with what you said. And now you're not doing what you said you'd do if I did my part. It's not fair. You know that one? <laughs> you do know that one, don't you? Oh, I was brokenhearted. Cried, cried. After a little while, I became sort of conscious, and I looked around, and all my friends were laying there with me. We had all just been broken up over this experience. One of my best friends named Jim, he's a big old guy, and he was 
super humiliated. We were up on a stage. It was in a, in a high school auditorium at that time. We were up on a stage behind this curtain. And when he left, old Jim walks out, you know, and he steps out through the, the curtain and looks back and says, I'm never going behind that damn curtain again. <laughs> and he's upset. He gets home. <laughs> he gets, <laughs> this is funny. He gets home, and God gives him a verse. You know how a verse will pop into your mind? And so he goes in and opens up the Bible and looks, and it says, The Lord dwelleth behind the curtain. <laughs> Jim is so repentant, he goes out into his backyard and, and sets down in a chicken coop and throws dirt on his head. <laughs> God bless him, that man knows how to repent. Well, our worst defeat that night, I go home, I go to bed, I wake up the next morning, the phone's ringing, I go to the phone, and here's a new family in the church, and the guy's on the phone, he says, listen, I got a new job, I, 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 I've got to go to work today, this is my, I've got a brand new job, it's just starting today, my wife's sick with a fever, can you come over and pray for her so she'll get well so she can take care of the kids, so I can go to my new job, I think, I, I put my hand on, you really got me into it this time. <laughs> Look what, this guy believes this stuff, he's going to lose his job. I'll be right there in my best professional tone. Hang up. I get in the car, and all the way over there, I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm saying, this, this, it's still not right. You know? This is not right. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's not right. It's a mess. So I get there, and I knock at the door, and a guy comes to the door, leads me in the house, and I mean, he, I thought she would be out in the living room in her house. He takes me right straight back into their bedroom. I mean, this woman was sick. No woman would let you see her looking like that. I mean, this woman was sick. You know, sick. Sick, sick. I mean, she was sick. And I looked at her and I thought, oh, she's sick. Not good. Not good, you know. This is not good. This is not going to make me look good. This woman is sick, you know. She had a high fever. Face was all flushed, you know. And I walked over, and I mumbled some terrible, I don't mean what, I don't know what I said. I, and, I, and I turned around, and I began explaining to the guy why people don't always get well when you pray for them. <laughs> I did. I, I began explaining to him why they don't always get well when you pray for them. And, and he's looking at me, but he's a little bit taller than I am, and he's looking over my shoulder, and he's grinning. And I suddenly realized he's not looking at me, he's looking over my shoulder. And I turn around, and there's his wife. She's up. She's got her house coat on. She's already brushed her hair, and she's making the bed. And I said, what happened to you? <laughs> and, she, and she says, I'm well. You healed me. I said, oh, no, I can't heal anybody. <laughs> and she says, well, you healed me. I'm feeling fine. You know, would you like to stay for some coffee or something? You know? I said, no, I think I'll just go... <laughs> And so there I went out the door. And I get on the front lawn, and I look up, and I go, All right! You know, we got one! Woo! <laughs> I was so incredibly excited. Oh, I got in the car, and I'm driving along, and I had a vision. It was the first one I'd ever had. I mean, really clear graphic. And I'm driving along, and, and it's a beautiful morning. And, well, of course, it would be. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, over the landscape, superimposed over it, is what looks like a cloud bank. And it's going all the way across the, the, the sky. And I look at it, and I realize it's not a cloud bank, it's a honeycomb. You ever seen a honeycomb when it comes? Yeah. All right, it's dripping. And below the, the, the cloud bank, the honeycomb, are people. And they're in all kinds of different postures. Some of them are very reverent. They're, they're weeping. They've got their hands out and they're catching this honey. And some of them are sharing it with their friends. And other people are coming and dipping their finger in other people's honey. And, and other people are really irritated. <laughs> you know, trying to get out of this honey. And they don't like it. And, and I'm looking at this thing, you know. And, I'm, and I, I'm so excited. I pull over to the side of the road and I'm sitting there looking at it. And I said, God, what is it? What is it? And he said, John, that's my mercy. 
He says, for some people, it's a blessing. And for some people, it's not. He said, John, don't ever beg me for healing again. Look at it. It's, there's plenty for everyone. John, the problem isn't on my end. The problem is down there where you are. That was one of the most profound and moving experiences I've ever had. And I've never looked at healing the same way again. I've never gone into the, the sick and dying's room in the hospital. I've never looked at a child that was in, in desperate condition. I've watched my friends die and prayed for them, but I've never, ever known the desperation of soul that I knew before that moment. Because I know the problem isn't on his end. Our God has, has sent mercy in the Son. He sent his word to heal them. Jesus has come. He brought a message of love from the Father. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I could watch that stuff all day, actually. He's so real, isn't he? That's what I love about him. I mean, I, w- I, I love that I'm in a church that was started by a guy who, who used to be a musician. That's great, too. But I love that he's so real about this stuff. And uh, so just to summarize what we heard him say, just a couple of things. He said the presence and the power are the same thing. We didn't know that, he said. When we started, we were experiencing God's presence, and yet the presence and the power are the same thing. And he said to pray like Jesus, short prayers. And I thought it was so profound how the first incredible healing came after such a hard time, just pushing into God, persisting, and praying, persisting and praying. And he said that was our worst defeat that night. You know, that was the hardest night. And then he has this, describes this vision of God's mercy and how God's power and his mercy and his love are available for everyone. We're going to pray in a minute. I'm, I'm not going to read you the story, but if you just flick over to Mark 2, you'll know the story. Um, there is a, oh, I missed one out. There it is. Um, there is a story about how Jesus is teaching in a house and it's full and these four guys bring their friend to Jesus who is paralyzed and they can't get him into the house. It's a classic Sunday school story because it's so visual, isn't it? And they take him up to the top of the house and break a hole in the roof and drop the guy in. And Jesus is teaching and there are all these religious people around. And uh, Jesus says, he sees the guy and he says, son, you're your sins are forgiven. And the teachers of the law start having a go about that and say, you can't do that. You know, you're, you're not supposed to do that. Only God can do that. And he says, no, your sins are forgiven. The son of man, that's me. Jesus has authority on the earth to forgive sins. And he says to the man, get up and walk. And again, the guy is healed. And I just want to bring us two challenges. If you think about that story, and I want to, my question is, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Who are we in the story? seems to me we can be either, we can be one of three people, can't we? We can be the person who's, who's, who really needs just the healing touch of Jesus. And if you're here today and there's something going on with you physically, we want to pray for you. In about one or two minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to acknowledge that and, and, and be prayed for. Whatever's going on for you. Um, it could be that you are the, we are the people in the story who are bringing their friend to Jesus. It could be that in two weeks' time in our healing service, you know, there's somebody that you know who needs a touch of Jesus, and you could be the one who's bringing them. Maybe not literally carrying them and dropping them through the roof, although if whatever, you know, um, but actually bringing your friends, bringing friends to Jesus, bringing somebody along. And you could be one of those two people, or maybe we can be more than one, but also... We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Because what Jesus did himself, he empowered and taught his disciples to do. And there are some of us who are used to this stuff and we pray. And we, we have the confidence to pray and we will pray for somebody to, be, to receive healing. And sometimes, uh, you know, in God's mercy, they will receive healing. And some of us really want to be that person, but we just need to grow in confidence. I'm pretty sure that there are some of us here today who are thinking, oh, I'd love to do that, but I've never really had the opportunity. And I'd love to, we'd just love to give you the opportunity. This is a safe place, okay? It's okay to try. It's really okay to try.
This is a safe place. And so what we're going to do in just a second is we're going to just, um, in fact, I'm going to invite you to do it right now. Why don't we stand together? And I just want to welcome the Holy Spirit. Can you come and bring a microphone? And um, I want you to um, just, just consider this for a minute, okay? I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And also, I've asked two or three people particularly um, just to listen out and if there are any specific words from God um, that he wants to share. Short ones that just identify some of what God wants to do here. You may not need a word from God if you know that there's something wrong with you and you know that you'd love to be prayed for, then you can just come anyway. So there's those people. Okay, and of the rest of us, I want you to kind of put yourself in a category now, okay? You don't have to tell anybody, it's fine, okay? You can either put yourself in the category of, I've done this stuff before and I'd be really, I'd love to pray for somebody and see them healed today. Or you can put yourself in the category of, I might have done this or I've never done this, but I'd certainly like to learn. I'd like to try this. And what we're going to do is we're going to match those people up with those people. So we're not going to stick you out on your own. But if you are here today and you think, I would love to see God heal somebody. I would, love to see, I would love to learn how to pray for somebody and just see what God does. And that's something you either haven't done at all or it's something you've only done a little bit and you want to grow in that. Then we'd love to give you the opportunity to do that as well. Is that okay? Nod and smile at me if you, if you think that's a good idea. Okay? So why don't we just welcome the Holy Spirit again? He's already here. He's in our midst. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you come? We thank you that you are a God who heals. We thank you that you are a God who heals. And this morning, your power is available. And your presence is close. Would you come and have your way? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence in this place. We welcome your presence. We're just going to wait. Those of you who I spoke to earlier, if you have a word that you feel God wants to share right now, just come come and share that. Just wait. Earlier when we were praying, singing the chorus, it's your breath in our lungs, I had a very clear picture of Jesus bending over someone who looked like they were about to expire on the floor. And he put his hand on their chest and he breathed like artificial resuscitation into their lungs. And as he breathed into their lungs, they began to fill up with the healing and the presence of God. And I don't know if that is for someone who spiritually or emotionally feels like they're about to expire and he wants to bring life to you, or whether it's someone who feels that whatever the illness is, whether you've been just diagnosed or whether it's something you've had for a while, almost you can't go on. I just felt that Jesus wanted to say, I can breathe life into this. Just come to me. Building from that, but I kind of literally not just the emotional. I I think... um, there might be some people with problems in their, their lungs and uh, that just God wants to heal the lungs. It might be that your kind of bronchioles don't operate properly uh, or for whatever reason. Uh, secondly, just um, I kind of feel knee, knee, knees, but particularly um, just the right knee. It might be something to do with kind of your cartilage, kind of sporting injury or whatever reason. Uh, kind of right knee, uh, just ear, um, particularly the, the right ear may be perforated or for some reason it just doesn't operate well and I also asked some of the youth that were with me earlier and um, one of them felt um, kind of the left hand the top bit of your left hand I don't know how you describe that um, maybe just kind of some skin disorder or something that's just causing discomfort that God wants to heal yeah I also had about the breath God blessing our breath um, I had uh, just the heart, that he forms the heart, and I wasn't sure if that was emotional or physical, but he wanted to heal our hearts today. Um, I also had the stomach, and I actually wasn't sure if this was for me earlier, but it was almost like he split open the stomach, and I saw stuff coming out, and I was like, oh, goodness, is that unforgiveness is in me? What is that, Jesus? And he, he was just wanting to heal stomachs, and um, whether it's infection or inflammation, but I didn't know if there was some emotional stuff with that as well. Um, elbow and little toe and I just saw 
I saw a river here of forgiveness, and I, I know not all healings to do with that, but I felt that for some, whether it's forgiveness for yourself or forgiveness for others, there'd be sickness almost falling into the river. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Can I just do a reality check? So how many people would say that one of those words uh, maybe applied to them and they'd like to receive some prayer this morning? Just, just wave your hand up so I can get an idea. Or add, add to that, you're somebody who's here with something else that you know is wrong with you and you'd love to receive prayer this morning. Wonderful. Okay. Fantastic. I'm going to give you a chance in a second. Not those people, but everybody else. If you're somebody who's prepared to pray, you've done this before, you've got faith to pray, um, I'd love you to come right out to the front now, please, and stand by one of these chairs. I've just put these chairs out to make it easier, but there'll be more people than need these chairs. Just come. If you're prepared to come, if you've done this before and you know what you're doing, just come stand along here and smile and smile and look happy at some people so that they're filled with faith let's get some more chairs thank you paul why don't we just do that okay and so if you're somebody who'd like to receive prayer why don't you come and sit in one of these chairs okay why don't you just come out and take your place and if we don't have enough we'll make some more we'll do another row in fact we could do some at the back as well just come and sit by one of these chairs sit in one of these chairs and what we're going to do very simply, can you just put my, uh, the slides up for me one more time? Sorry, guys. Um, just by way of a very, very simple, very simple way of teaching this. Oh, yeah. Can we do men with men and ladies with ladies, if that's okay? Thank you. Um, what you need to do, those, those people, you know this already, but this is by way. You, you, those of you who are praying, just get started. You just get started. Just ask them what's wrong. Um, ask them what the issue is. And while they're doing that, I'm just going to explain to the rest of us. And some of you who've not done this before are going to come up and join in in a second. Okay, sorry, don't start yet. I don't know what I'm doing, do I? Okay, we're going to ask them what's wrong. We're going to pray for God to heal. We're going to pray specific prayers. We're then going to listen, listen to the Holy Spirit and listen to the person and see what's going on. And if necessary, go around and pray again. So look, if you're somebody, uh, we need a few more women, please. Thank you. If you're a lady who can come and pray. And listen, if you're out there and you put yourself in the other category, if you're like, I want to be part of this, but I'm not sure what to do, you have full permission to come and attach yourself to one of these groups. You can do it right now. If you're thinking, I would love to be part of this, and I want to see what God is doing, and I'd love to just take a step of faith, then come and attach yourself to one of these groups. Just come and join in right now. Just come down and just, look, just find some of the people. We can, we can find space to do this. There's plenty of space. If you're waiting to be healed, yeah, and there will be time for, to pray for everyone and for others in a minute, okay? But if you want to be part of this, if you want to learn, you want to grow, just go and attach yourself to a group and just very briefly start to ask. Yeah, just start to pray gently. Just don't take a medical history. Don't spend a long time on what the problem is. What is it that you want God to do? Where does it hurt? What's the problem? What's the pain? If necessary might be helpful to say, if the person is in pain, where is that pain on a level of 1 to 10? And the other tip I want to give you is this. When you start to pray, keep your eyes open. Okay? When you start to pray, keep your eyes open. Sometimes it's appropriate to lay a hand on the person and just pray for whatever it is. It may not always be appropriate to do that, but sometimes it is. But when you start to pray... Keep your eyes open because God is going to do stuff. The Holy Spirit is here. And when the Holy Spirit starts to move, thank you, David, for putting those chairs out. We've got more chairs along here. Watch what the Holy Spirit is doing. Quite often, as you pray for people, you start to see their eyelids flutter when the Holy Spirit comes on them. Or you just sense a sense of calm or peace. Sometimes people, something dramatic happens and they might keel over or something, in which case it's a good idea to have your eyes open so you can catch them. Okay, but keep your eyes open and start to pray and start to ask God to come and heal. And then start to listen to the Lord. What's he saying? What words of encouragement is he saying? You know, and the other thing is just to remember, guys, that this is not, it's not our responsibility to get these people healed. It's not us that does the healing. It's God, his Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we do. It's not a badge that we wear. It's something that God wants to do. And so even if nothing happens, this person is going to feel a sense of being loved by God. Do you want to share it? 
Okay. So there's a couple of words just being shared, and they're quite significant words, so maybe they apply to you. And if they do, maybe God wants, to, God wants to do something with you this morning. One is about somebody needing a miracle. They feel like they've come to the end of the medical help that's available. And they've come today, and they've come to the end of whatever the med- medics can do, and you just feel like you need a miracle. And if that's you, we would love to pray for you. If that's you and you're not already down at the front, why don't you come down to the front and make yourself known? And secondly, there's another word about infertility. About infertility. If that's an issue, if there's something going on there for you, and we, again, we would love to pray because God's spirit is present. And so all over this, the front of here, you can see that the spirit is already moving. You know, if you've not experienced this before, if this is new to you, you are totally welcome to just watch. In fact, you can just go up and stand in front of them and watch if you like. And maybe afterwards you can even ask, ask questions. One of the things I love about what God gave us in the vineyard in terms of our heritage is the fact that this, we can be so free about this. This is all about what God's doing. It doesn't need us to get worked up or act in a certain way or speak in a certain way or get emotional in some way. This is just about the presence of the Holy Spirit. His presence is his power. And so if while you're praying, you know, if you sense that God is doing something, then after a little while, speak to the person. Ask them, what's going on for you? Is anything happening? Are you feeling anything? Is anything different? Do you feel different? How's your pain? Your pain was at a number seven, say. Has it changed? And if you notice something's going on, if you sense God's presence, if you sense his power, if you sense him doing something, then maybe push into that and pray again. And I would love to hear some feedback. And then to tell the people, if you're praying for someone and you're not sure what's going on, just ask them. Ask them what's going on. What's God doing? Get some feedback. Get some feedback on the situation. If necessary, pray again. Always pray a blessing. And even if God doesn't choose to do anything today, this person needs to walk away with a sense of being loved by God. Loved by God. So Holy Spirit, we love your presence here. We love what you're doing in the room. We love your presence. We love your presence here. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, guys, we've gone a little over time. And so if you have kids upstairs, please do go and uh, start to collect them. Because of the building work, we'll be serving coffee back in the church here. So go and get your kids and then bring them back if you want to stick around and have coffee. Uh, Obviously, we won't be in the cafe.